It's good to be here this evening, and it's good to see you all here tonight, and um, appreciate you that are of the senior type, being able to get out on these evenings. If you're like I am, my gas tank begins to run empty at about, oh, about 11 o'clock. It starts going down, <laughs> and uh, but... Thank the Lord. We're here. We have an opportunity to look at the Word of God again and study the book of Revelation. We're in chapter number 3. If you are got your Bibles there, you'll want to open them to Revelation chapter 3, and we'll begin tonight in verse number 7 as we teach tonight on the Church of Philadelphia. Being from Pennsylvania, as a young lad, I knew what the word Philadelphia uh, meant because it was one of the major cities in our state, though I was from the other Pennsylvania. That's what they say back there. If you're from Philly, you're from one Pennsylvania. If you're from Pittsburgh, you're from another because it's like two different worlds uh, in uh, those two different states. And... uh, you know your history, you know that Philadelphia one time was the capital of the United States, the first capital. When it was, Pittsburgh was the capital of Pennsylvania. And whenever Philadelphia could no longer be the capital of the nation, they were fixing to have a knockdown drag out, and so they moved the capital to Harrisburg, <laughs> right in the middle of the state, which it should be anyhow. All right, if we have our uh, little outline I, I gave you, and I hope you'll use this. I use it every week that I study. I use it to refresh my mind. I go back over the other uh, churches, and tonight we're in the sixth church, and that's the pearl. This is the precious pearl. This church is. Uh, Philadelphia, of course, means brotherly love. But this is a very loving church. This is a church that the Lord loved very much because of its faithfulness. And uh, the uh, church is titled of the last days. You hear the saying, the last days of the last days. And there's truth to that because you'll notice next week's church, Laodicea, is the last days. And um, the last days are the last days. These are the last days in which we live today. Of course, we live in that Laodicean age. If you're uh, under the age of 70, uh, that's the only age you've been living in. We'd have been around a little longer. I was born in the 30s, and those who are born in the 30s and the uh, 50s, uh, early 50s, are in the... Church of the Laodicean age. Uh, so we've had the privilege of living in two, but they're both the last days. The last days, but here's a pivotal point, and I, I trust you'll see that as we go through this lesson this evening. Now, beginning in verse number one, it says uh, the, the title of the chapter division, of course, in your Bible is a message to Philadelphia, and um, I, I'm somewhat of a uh, curious reader in a way 
if I see the least thing different, it catches my eye, and I've never got to study this out. Maybe my Sunday school teacher could help me. Uh, but all the other churches, it's, it's a letter unto the church. But this is to the church. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it means any difference or anything else. It's just something uh, I look at just the smallest details. And I have not traced that down or if there's any difference or why the difference is. Uh, but uh, that's the way it's addressed. Uh, and uh, to the angel of the church of, in Philadelphia. Uh, let's look as we did each week about the assembly first to give you an idea a little bit about this church and its geographical area. And uh, don't make fun of my dangling watch. Uh, this is my wife's watch. Uh, at present, I've torn up my last one. I'm, I don't have a watch. I don't have a phone by choice. And so I have to borrow either her phone or her watch. And so uh, I've got a watch to go by tonight. And I think I like this better. If I don't get too many negative comments, I will. <laughs> uh, the, the city is located about 30 miles uh, southeast of Sardis. If you've been following, you notice from Ephesus, uh, it's like a, a crescent uh, moving like this, and Laodicea would be last down here. It doesn't make a circle. It's more like a crescent. And uh, now we're 30 miles further uh, to the east-southeast of Sardis. Um, it's um, an area that's subject to tremors. <coughs> In fact, the the, uh, the church that uh, we've studied uh, last week, uh, Sardis, we mentioned how that uh, it was destroyed, the city was destroyed, I mean devastated, about 1 A.D. by an earthquake. And this is only 30 miles further and it's in the same valley. And so uh, they are also... Uh, 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 occasionally getting these tremors and they also have earthquakes and though they were not destroyed as much as Sardis uh, they uh, have great uh, damage from earthquakes in this area kind of like our uh, state of California and uh, you know where the largest earthquake in this country was ever you never guess Missouri St. Madrid Fault in Madrid, Missouri, just north of Memphis. They redesigned the rivers in that country to a high river moved channel. It was a mess. Study it sometimes. But it's not California. The largest earthquake happened in the center of this country. And this place here has had a lot of earthquakes. Now, as I said, the city means brotherly love. Uh, the city became famous for the cultivation of grapes, and uh, that was perhaps it was its best-known product, and we'll not say anything more about the city other than the fact that there is a city there today. Uh, the city today is Al-Asheher. Uh, it sounds Arabic to me, and properly so, because uh, you know this is the area of present-day Turkey, and that's Arab country, and... Uh, but the name Alashiher means city of God. So it has a good, good name. 
the author next in verse number 7. And I'll just uh, look at verse 7 and then we'll be looking at it more in detail because there's a lot of information here. And it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, uh, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. Uh, first of all, he identifies himself as God, the Holy One. That's one of the titles of God. You find it in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, says, I am holy. And then in Hebrews, we read about holiness of Christ. And in chapter 7, verse 26, it says, Holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Uh, this is one of the names or titles of God, holy. And, of course, God and Christ, the same. Uh, Christ is holy. Uh, we read in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, who did not sin, neither was gal found in his mouth. He was holy. Because uh, he is holy, every word that he spoke was holy. And every deed that he did was perfect and holy and just. Uh, Hebrews 7.26 tells us that. And, if, and then uh, we read here uh, further that uh, in Second uh, Corinthians 5.21, uh, he knew no sin. It was impossible for Christ to sin. Uh, I, I had a question come up in a, theo, a theolo, theological uh, study when I was in college. One of the students asked, said, well, now, if Christ is holy and cannot sin, uh, how was it that Satan tempted him? And he did tempt him. And, he, and you can be tempted and still be holy. Uh, and, and the professor likened it under this way. I'll never forget it. He said... Uh, the devil tempting Christ is like you tempting an aircraft carrier with a canoe. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can attempt to, you can test it, or you can tempt it, uh, uh, test it, but uh, you're not going to be much of a challenge, believe me. And, and Satan wasn't either, because Satan, uh, uh, Christ could not sin. Not only does it say that he is holy, it says that he is true. True. As the Holy One, Christ is right in his character. As the true one, he is right in his conduct. And, uh, and, and this is life eternal, it says, that uh, they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's in John chapter 17, verse 3. John 17 uh, is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's not what you quote as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, that's a, a disciple's prayer. That's a, a prayer t teaching you how to pray, uh, you know, what we call the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is recorded in John chapter 17. It's a very beautiful passage of Scripture. And uh, it's there that we read these uh, comments here about that, uh, uh, that they might know thee, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Uh, Christ's prayer uh, to the Father uh, here is, is uh, recorded in John 17. Now, now we should note that it uh, is the vision of Christ as the holy and true one. Think of it now. He says he's holy and he's true. And it's important to identify himself to this church in that way is, in the sense that this is the, the way that keeps the Christian when the lawlessness and the dishonesty prevails all around us today. It's good to know that we have a holy and true God who has no limits, who makes no mistakes, and he's always in control. Uh, it goes on to say in verse number 7 that he hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Um, to, to find any background about this key of David, there's only one place you can find it. And that's in the Old Testament chapter 22 of the book of Isaiah. Uh, it's a, uh, a very good passage to read. Uh, it, it says there in verse 22 of Isaiah 22, it says, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. The significance, of course, of the key of David here is that uh, it's the ruler over David's throne, over his house. That's the one that has the key. In David's day, it was Sheba, S-H-E-B-A. Sheba was a, a, a servant of David who had the key of David. In other words, he had the key of the royal treasury. He had the authority to release or hold back the funds at his discretion. Of course, under the uh, uh, guidance and uh, supervision of David, but he had that control. Now, it was uh, prophesied of Christ. This prophecy is found in Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. It says, The government shall be upon his shoulders. And then it goes on and says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth ever forever. forever. Uh, you ought to also read in Luke chapter 1 uh, toward the end of that chapter about this. But Christ is the absolute ruler uh, in his kingdom. That's what he's telling them then uh, here in this uh, first verse, this verse 7. Now, it also says in the last part about this key, and it's, this key represents three things, really. Uh, first of all, it's the key of salvation. There's no individual, there's no church, regardless of the teachings of the Catholic Church or any other church. There's no church that can get you into heaven. There's no church that can keep you out of heaven. Uh, that's God's business. But this key is the key of salvation. In Revelation 3, 8 here, it says, I have set before thee an open door. And uh, it remains open today, this door of salvation. Uh, the, the door is Christ himself, of course. 
John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Uh, he is the door, the door of salvation. When Noah uh, built the ark, and after preaching all those years and had no converts, uh, sometimes we get upset. I know the preacher gets upset when we don't have people saved every week. And we all feel that maybe we should, you know. And we like to. And we do have folks saved here on a regular basis. And we thank God for that. As a lot of churches don't. A lot of churches today in the world we live in that never see a person walk the aisle for salvation. Never see a baptism uh, in their own church. Uh, that's a shame. That's not the case here. Thank God for that. But, but here we have... Uh, this uh, uh, church here, and we're and, and talking about uh, uh, Noah being in the ark, finished, and God shut the door. Nobody could open that door. Nobody but God could shut that door. When he shut the door, the ones outside were clawing and screaming and crying. It did, did them no good. This is the last days. God's telling this church something. He's telling us something. We're at the end time. And when the rapture takes place, those who are left behind, who have heard the gospel, they're going to be sent a strong delusion according to 2 Thessalonians. And they're going to believe a lie. And they're not going to, they're not going to be able to be saved. Now, don't say, don't think, and don't tell people there's nobody saved in the book of Revelation because you, you haven't read the book, chapter 7, if you say that. There's a great number saved. A great number. Uh, and, uh, and we know there's 144,000 Jews that are preaching the gospel during that time. And, and of course, they're saved. But uh, there's many others from many nations besides that uh, who are saved. And uh, and these Noah went in, and God shut the door, and that was the end of it. Uh, and he goes on here and says, "Here, uh, thou hast kept my word. Uh, thou hast kept my word." Uh, they were true to the gospel. Today, uh, most uh, people were not true, and I skipped over something. I want to get back. Uh, here, I, I skipped over something last week I meant to bring out about names being uh, blotted out of the book. He wouldn't blot your name out of the book. Don't let that uh, run you on a rabbit trail. That's, that's not what you think it is. You cannot lose your salvation. When your name is in the book of life, it's there. It's not coming out. We'll, we'll have some time later maybe to discuss that. Uh, but... Uh, we just have to let it go for now. Uh, now, not only did it have this uh, key of, of, of salvation, uh, there's a key to, to service. He says, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. Uh, it's true that Christ opens the door for service, but that doesn't mean he'll go through it for us. 
You remember but what uh, uh, Paul said in uh, the book of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, it mentioned that, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. He was wanting to go up into Asia, and God stopped him. He heard the call from Macedonia. He re- accepted that call, and he, the door was open. God opened the door. He went over. Lydia was saved. Europe was uh, evangelized. You uh, we've looked into some of that already. Uh, but he uh, he opened the door, but we have to go through it. We have to go through it. You know, Rome, uh, they had padlocked the prison doors. They set a guard on Peter back in Luke chapter, or excuse me, Acts chapter 15. Uh, but an unseen hand uh, I like that song too, by the way. Uh, it's been a long time since I've heard that song, The Unseen Hand. But an unseen hand opened that door because when God opens a door, no one can shut it. I don't care how many locks they put on, how many guards they put on, uh, God will set, the, set you free. No power on earth and no power in hell can shut the door uh, which God has opened. Uh, Rome uh, padlocked him in, but he couldn't hold him. After World War II in Japan, maybe you've heard this. This is pertinent because this this happened during the age of the Philadelphian church. The end of the war, about 1945-46, General MacArthur was, of course, uh, put in charge of the country of Japan. Uh, and during a transitional stage. He made a plea for America to send 5,000 missionaries to bring the gospel over there because their belief system was destroyed. They, they worshipped their emperor and, and they, didn't, they believed he was a god and he, and he had to say he wasn't a god. And they, it just upturned everything. And he knew that this was a golden opportunity for for, for the gospel to be preached. But, as so often, a deaf ear was turned. The missionaries didn't go. And in 1960, now you're in the Laodicean age. In 1960, General Eisenhower was president at the time. He wanted to visit Japan and could not visit because of 200,000 demonstrating communists. What would it have been if they had sent the missionaries? Thank God Japan got through all that turmoil, and, and I don't think they have that problem today, but they did then. And, and it's a historical fact that, that our president was refused uh, the privilege of visiting that country in 1960 because of the communist demonstration. We are now, of course, in that Laodicean age. Romanism, modernism, communism, uh, they are doing all that they can today to, uh, to take the opportunity for service uh, away from the children of God. But we still have the door open. God's still on the throne, regardless of what the uh, majority are and what the uh, population uh, says 
it doesn't matter. We, we were still able to preach the gospel. And then there's a third key here, the key of safety. And, and uh, this is mentioned a little bit further. I'll, you'll see it when we get there. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. That's in verse 10. We're, we skipped over some stuff, but we'll come back. Uh, the hour of temptation. Uh, which and, and he says that this is going to come on all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Uh, you don't have to be a real scholar to realize that's talking about the tribulation period. And he's talking to this church the last days. He said, don't you worry, you're not going through that tribulation. Now that wasn't the case with, with other churches. Remember, they were going to go through the tribulation. Those false churches, the, 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 um, the uh, false ch- uh, church during the uh, tribulation period will have a, 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 a root in this very age in which we live. Uh, the modernistic liberal churches uh, of today. This uh, is a door of safety. The open door is not merely that of salvation and of service, but the door is a door of deliverance uh, from that tribulation period. Them that dwell upon the earth, that is, earth dwellers, those who have no interest in heaven, they're going to go through that tribulation, but not we who are of the faith and, and of true believers. Now, he, he moves in, in, to verse 8, and we have the approval and uh, so we need to not skip those verses like I've done sometimes. I, I get carried away on my notes and they're not as important as the scriptures. Look in verse 8. I know thy works. You can see what he's going to approve them for, right? I, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. Uh, for thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Notice, and I'm going to maybe skip some of my notes so that I can get through these verses. He says here, I know thy works, plural. This was this church, uh, though they were few, he says that, uh, that they are few in number, uh, but they had works. They had works that God knew about. And he had opened this door for them. And they, and they went through that door. He said, you have a little strength uh, and has kept my word. Uh, you know, when you keep the word of God, then you uh, stand true for the name of God. And uh, these people did that. And has not these denied my name. Uh, they didn't deny the name of Christ. They, they were faithful uh, to his teachings, faithful to his, his word. I, I wanted to do this in my notes because I, I want to get it right. It's, a, it's about a, an, an article in a newspaper uh, back before some of you were born, probably. This is February the 13th, February 13, 1961. There was a newspaper article uh, from a leader of the Episcopal Church. Now that's the Church of England. In this country, it's called the Episcopal Church. 
That's the, the king was a member and the head of that church that gave us these scriptures. The King James, 1611. Uh, it's hard to believe. When you read this blessed book and see the, what we read here about Revelation, about not uh, keeping his word and, and uh, keeping their faith and being truthful in their stand. And then you see what happens to the very people from this church. Let me read the, the article, or at least part of it. This article says about the myth of the Garden of Eden. I didn't think it was a myth. I thought it's a true story. He said, I do not know a single member of the Anglican Communion. That's another name uh, for the Church of England or the Episcopals. The Anglican Communion. Bishop, presbytery, deacon, or layman who believes this story literally. They don't have a one that believes uh, in the uh, story of the Garden of the Eden. The newspaper paper reporter uh, uh, that the bishop uh, described the virgin birth as a myth. A myth which churchmen should be free to accept or reject. That's why I could never be an Episcopalian. <laughs> In Leesburg, they had, that's where I started the church there in Virginia, they had an Episcopal church that was there for a long time. It had a lot of, of uh, stained glass windows there. And my name, my mind's flipping me. They're very famous stained glass. My, my brother-in-law owned a Little Rock Glass Company, and he was visiting us. He, he heard about it. He knew about it. He wanted to see these lead glass windows and so we took him up and he was taking pictures of them we walked through and in the lobby what I want you to notice this I saw in the church in Leesburg Virginia Episcopal Church tonight don't miss six o'clock wine and cheese fellowship I thought boy that and I mean that brother-in-law of mine uh, later he made a profession of faith but he he wasn't the best of Christians. He liked that. He, he was planning to try to go back to that service, I think. Uh, but, but he didn't get to go. Uh, but, but anyhow, it says here uh, that the, 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 none of them believe that, okay? And he said they long left uh, differing degrees of acceptance uh, as to these sayings uh, that we read. Satan's teachers. Uh, by the way, there's one other thing he said here. He said, our church has long left room for differing degrees of acceptance as to the details of the narratives late inserted by humans into the gospel accounts. <laughs> that's, the, that's the descendants of the people that gave us the King James Bible. You don't think this world's in bad shape. Let me tell you, it's, it's in bad shape. By the way, that's one group of the Protestants that are trying to rejoin the Catholics. <laughs> that tells you something about them. And uh, sure enough, uh, not denied the name, uh, but there's a lot of them that do. Uh, being loyal to the Scriptures, they were loyal also to Christ of the Scriptures. Um, Sinners are saved 
through faith in that blessed name of Jesus. And that name of Jesus has the same uh, importance and the same uh, authority as the name Jehovah in the Old Testament of God the Father. Uh, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ um, today provokes hatred uh, to those who uh, are not uh, do not love him. Uh, I've had the occasion uh, on different occasions when a pastor to be asked to pray at a um, chamber of commerce dinner. And the lady in our church was a secretary there. And so when they needed somebody, she'd call me and I'd go over. And, and, and I had no restrictions, but the word was put out. That you, you're there to pray for the meal, not to preach. And when you pray, I want you using the name of Jesus. Or you know how far that went. Well, I, I never got thrown out. I did get some bad looks. But then I was invited back because they couldn't get anybody else, I guess. Uh, but I went back and I, I gave them a testimony when I was there. Uh, in verse 9, you have the accounting. It said, Behold, I will make them, uh, and that's talking about the world lovers. Let's just read it right from the scripture. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them, now listen, to come and worship, not you, not me, but worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Uh, false church, false religion. Uh, Judaizers were a big problem in the early church and. You, you have to realize that just a little bit of thinking, you can understand why. Uh, the scriptures, as we know, the New Testament was not written whenever they were uh, living their life and work and testifying for Christ. Uh, they, they had what Jesus taught them. They had what the apostles taught. Uh, but they had for scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. And the Jewish people uh, had an understanding of, at least some of them, of the Old Testament scriptures. And so there was kind of an open door. Plus, they had a custom in their synagogues to allow traveling people to speak. It didn't have to be a religious subject, but they, like, a, like a, uh, a traveling teacher or something, you know. They, they opened the door. And so it allowed Paul to go in and preach in these synagogues, and, and it was off none. Well, because of that, they had a lot of Jewish converts, but they had a lot of halfway converts, like we have today, you know. A lot of people who profess to be saved, but do not possess Christ. And there's a big difference. We have a lot of that today. Uh, we have a, a lady, my wife and I, sometimes comment to one another, uh, she's supposed to be such a good Christian. But she readily talks about how she likes beer. Oh, likes to drink beer. And, and likes these rock and roll singers and all that trashy music and so forth. And she's supposed to be a good Christian today. And in the eyes of the world, she would qualify. Because she says she's a Christian, she'll wear a cross. You know, that's that's a strange strange piece of jewelry 
a cross. And what that cross represents, the crucifixion, that's like wearing a, a, a little replica of an electric chair around your neck. Think about that. They think, oh, that's holy. Boy, that's blasphemous to talk like that. But listen, we've come a long way from what, what Christianity really is. And, and people who know the name, uh, know the Lord Christ as their Savior and are not ashamed of the name and speak for His name and defend His name and believe the Word of God and stand on the Word of God, don't think for a minute they're going to like you. Jesus said they hated me, they're going to hate you. He was perfect. We're far from that. How would we ever uh, hope to escape people's hatred and meanness? And that's what's happened in this world today. Uh, it's getting worse every day. And in my childhood, listen, I, I, I can't begin to tell you the difference in my short life that I've seen, and I'm not done living either, by the way, I'm going to live some more. But, 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 and so far in my life, I've seen some changes. When I went into ministry, and that was back in the early 70s when I actually went on the field, went back to my home church on staff, I saw this is a church that didn't run more than about, at the time we were running maybe 250, 300. I went to that church first and started running 85. That's what it used to run, 85 or so. But, but over the years, God bless, the pastor stayed there over 50 years and steady, Eddie, good, great, one of the best soul winners I've ever known to this day. But, but that I saw in that church an auditorium not a lot different than this, a little wider is all. Center aisle, two end aisles, pews in the center, just about like this, just a little bit larger scale because you had a couple hundred people and we were trying to get more, so there was a few extra seats. And uh, I saw one Sunday from that wall to that wall, and it's stretched out now from this. I think it was like 17 or 18 people saved. The next Sunday, 21 people saved. At the altar. Started a revival with Daryl Dunn, no longer, I don't think, preaching, but he was an evangelist at the time. In that time of the season, Prophecy was the topic of most all revivals. He preached a week's meeting on, on prophecy. In one week's time, we had 141 people saved. With the two Sundays before and that Sunday, we just about doubled the size of that church. Within three weeks, they don't see that anymore. We have a pastor that preaches as good as any preacher that you'll find. As strong a preacher, faithful to the Word of God. We have a Sunday school teacher that teaches as good as any teacher I've ever sat under in over 50, 
I guess maybe 60 years now. I don't know. I know it's over 50 years. But you don't see the results that you used to see. We, we're living in the last days, folks. We're living in a time when things are changing. People hate you today if you have a testimony for Christ. You're not very popular. You're not going to have the crowd breaking down the doors to get in. And by the way, verse number 10. Uh, uh, let's, let's read uh, verse 10. Because thou hast kept the, uh, the word of my patience, I, will also, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. That's that tribulation is talking about. Which uh, shall come upon the whole world uh, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Earth dwellers. Lost people. Behold, I come quickly. How, how many times do we hear that? My brother tells me we're going to be singing that song one of these days soon. Uh, coming again. That song was sang... As, as much as Amazing Grace back in the 70s. Service after service was started just by starting to <coughs> sing that song. And they would ring it out. And I mean, I mean ring it out. Coming again. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast, or hold that fast, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. You notice warning them not to have their crown taken, not salvation. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your crowns. Let's go on. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him. I want you to notice three names that we're going to have. Okay? I will write upon him the name of my God. That's number one. And the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. We're going to have that name. Which cometh down out of heaven uh, from my God. And, I, and that doesn't happen until the eternal state. That's after the millennium. But that name is going to be written, believe me. And I will write upon him my new name. So Jesus has a new name. He's going to write that name on us too. We're going to have a lot of names. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Listen, we have a, a time to look forward to. He has an appeal here for them to realize that he's coming quickly. And so to hold fast to your rewards, your, te your work. You know, we're not saved by works. Uh, we know that. We, we have scripture upon scripture uh, that teaches us that. And, and Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 10, tells us you're not saved by works. Uh, you, you, no way you can be saved by works. But we are saved to work. Don't forget verse 10. We are saved to work. And for that work, God's going to reward us. 
We read that over in uh, Corinthians chapter 3, if you remember that passage. Uh, But we're going to have a reward. Now, various forms of evil in which to try to take those crowns from you. We've already seen some. In Ephesus, it was a cold heart. In Smyrna, it was a a temptation of discouragement uh, because of the tribulation and the poverty uh, that they suffered in that time. And then the next one was the uh, Church of Pergamos. And there was the opposing doctrines of Balaam, Balaam and the Nicolaitans. And then Thyrathera had its Jezebel, and they lost crowns. Sardis had the name that she lived and was dead. We looked at that last week, and they lost crowns. Philadelphia, (coughs) tonight, theirs was the tares among the wheat. The parable of the tares among the wheat uh, growing there. (coughs) And if you're not careful... They begin to get an influence. Be careful that you do not lose your crowns through discouragement. So many today are discouraged. People dropping out. Pastor talking about people no longer wanting to come to church. Worldliness. Oh, how, how uh, common that is. Social life. Living the life like that girl on television. No different than any old heathen, really, going down to the bars and so forth. Uh, Success. A lot of success today, and success can make you lose your crown. It gets you to looking at the things of this world. Uh, Sometimes it's your friends. You have the wrong kinds of friends. And even our family sometimes can cause us to lose crowns if we're not careful. Christ first. Always he must be first. That's what he's telling this church. Oh, he loved this church. You don't find any uh, uh, bad words to this church. He had nothing bad to say about this church. It's all good. Their works, their patience, their love for the word of God, love for Christ himself. Their faithfulness, their their steadfastness. He loved this church. But it's so easy for even good people to fall if they're not careful. That's why you have to be on guard. You have to hold fast. Hold fast that which thou hast, he says there in verse number 11. Hold fast that which you have. Hold it fast. Let me read those last two verses again. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God. He said about uh, the Jews worshiping at your feet. The the Jews are going to be uh, uh, under submission to the uh, saved in this age You know why? Think about it. Today, we're saved or part of Christ's bride, the church. The bride of Christ. He's the king. We're his bride. 
We're going to reign with him. And it tells us in scripture over the 12 tribes. And so those who turn to, to God during the tribulation, the Jewish people who turn back to God, a remnant of these Jews are going to be worshiping at your feet, not worshiping you, but worshiping Christ as you sit with him and reign over those who are under you. Uh, the Bible doesn't have any mistakes, folks. It's all there, just as smooth as glass. It's all there. And uh, it tells us to let us not be weary. And this is in Galatians 6, 9. Not be wearing and weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We often use that in a negative sense, but that's in a positive content there. God says, you, you be faithful. You hold fast. You're going to reap if you don't faint, if you don't quit, if you don't come discouraged, if you don't just lay down. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your testimony. You can lose your rewards. And God doesn't want you to do that. Let no man beguile you of your reward. Colossians 2.18 John, Second uh, John 8 says this, Look to yourself that ye lose not those things which ye have wrought, but that ye receive a full reward. That's, that's my prayer. I, I don't suppose I'll have very many. We all like to think we're going to have more than we're going to. But there's a lot of mine's going to be wood, hay, and stubbles, just like yours. That's going to be burnt. And I'm praying that shifting through those ashes, there's going to be a, a few little jewels in there. I trust God will keep me faithful for now about 75 years since I've professed Christ as my Savior. As a nine-year-old boy in a Bible school campaign. We just had a Bible school campaign, and one young lady was saved. I wasn't the only young man that was saved. There was about 500 in our Bible school that year, and that Grace Brethren Church, the gospel was preached. They preached about the cross, about Christ dying on the cross, and that my sins placed him there, and I accepted him as my Savior that day. A lot of years went by, a lot of mistakes, a lot of weaknesses. But by God's grace, I want to stay faithful uh, to him to the end. Next week, we're going to look at that church we all hear about, we know about. We think we know all there is to know about it. But we're going to find a few things, I'm sure, that you didn't think about. The Laodicean church age. And then... Come with your tennis shoes on because we're going to be a running. Compared to the 2,000 years we covered in just two months, we're going to cover seven years and the rest of the time we look at this book up through chapter 22. It'd be, it'd be more, seven years just takes you up to chapter 19, really. Uh, chapter tw uh, or 20. Uh, and chapter 21, 